get notifications, and stay updated every time I post a challenge podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Thank you all, and hope you enjoy. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Now, if you're looking on the screen right now, you may recognize this face very well. He's best known for playing Logan Reese on Zoe 101, Mr. Matthew Underwood. How are you doing? What's up? How you doing? Hey, I'm hanging in there. I can't complain. What about you? I am doing the same. I'm hanging in there as well. I got the green screen behind me. I'm going to be streaming later tonight. So I had the, I'm still in the studio here. <laughs> yeah, it's actually pretty good uh, timing getting you here because um, CBS All Access is kind of like a big thing now with like buying everything out and getting like the shows. And, and a big show that I cover on there is um, MTV's Challenge, right? And um and then I, when I was on there, I noticed that they put Zoe 101 on there as well. So then that was kind of like a uh, kill two birds and one stone type of deal. And I was able to, uh, you know, go back and forth and binge both. So allowed me to uh, catch up on some uh, of your old uh, glory days, right? Thanks, man. Actually, to be honest with you, I didn't know it was on CBS All Access until you reached out to me and told me that. And so I have a huge thanks to you. My mom thanks you as well, because when you told me, I told her, and she was like, no way! Now I can watch your show anytime I want! So thank you for letting me know about that. But it's a really good idea that they did that, though, because to my knowledge, it's I think it's like ten dollars for a month of like no commercials i think it was that's like a pretty right. pretty good yeah so that's that's really good i think it's 7.99 with commercials and 9.99 without commercials something like that i i've been subscribing from day one because i'm a huge star trek fan i mean i am literally obs- i would say i'm obsessed with star trek so like it was it's literally the day it was available i was subscribed and ready to stream yeah <laughs> What what has this year kind of been like for you though now? Because obviously we had the whole uh, pandemic and that adjustment. How was uh what was what was it kind of like for you? You know it 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 has been it's been a really big roller coaster. I wanna I wanna start out just by by you know I'll just I'll just take you down down the roller coaster with with me for a second on my year. So as the year started, I was getting we were starting to 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 get the the reboot back together it was it was in full speed and conversations were happening deals were being made and then all of a sudden the country shut down and it was it was hard it was it was a hard hit because i was looking so forward to doing that to to being back on set every day with my best friends um and the first i would say like two weeks we're just, you know, I was stuck in my house, just not knowing what to do, where to go. And, and I didn't really know what to, what to do. I felt kind of stuck and I wanted to help. I wanted to, to be helpful somehow in this, in this, in this, in the pandemic, but I didn't know what to do. I first started to, to volunteer at food banks and stuff like that, kind of just packaging food up in boxes so that when they do distribute it, they've got pre pre done packages of all the food they need. Um, and then after a little while, things got uh, really rough in my community. I mean, my the the amount of people that were infected in my community skyrocketed. And I was, uh, they were at the food bank. They were getting like a really much more strict and things were just getting a little bit more iffy. So I said, okay, I have to step away from this. And then I started, I, I, I wanted to figure out something else I could do. So I started making masks. I pulled out my grandmother's old sewing machine and uh, I started sewing masks for everybody that I knew. I started sending them all over the country. 
And uh, I made a few, I would say about maybe a thousand, maybe close to 2000 masks. And, um, and then uh, I had, I ran out of people to make them for, <laughs> and it became a, a, something you could just buy in the store. Cause at first you couldn't find them anywhere. That's why I was making them. Everybody couldn't find them. Uh, and once you could find them everywhere, I was like, okay, the, you know, Walmart has that taken care of. Um, and at that point, I think it was March. Yeah. By it was it was the end of March, and it was I, I had I had put I basically my my whole job nowadays has been to be to film stuff to direct the TV show pilots short films commercials, um that was what I was doing for years, and we couldn't do that anymore, <laughs> and so I was like well I, I should probably start thinking about what I might do uh, to support myself, this pandemic continues. And I've for the last about two years, I had been making animated stuff for the for the projects that I do. I make animated environments, whether it be like restaurants or like a spaceship um, or a, a, a grocery store or like a newscaster place. Anyway, so I've been making those for our old projects. And I reached out to a couple of people that were still filming stuff around the country. I said, look, I can't go film, but I can still make some environments for you. Uh, so that turned into making different projects for um like products, uh, cookies and ice cream. Uh, and so I started to get into animation and that was really fun. But then I, I was missing acting. I was really missing using a camera and having something to share with, with my fans on the internet. And that's really what I was doing, what, what I was able to do when I filmed projects. So then somebody suggested to me, Matt, why don't you make educational videos and put them online? So that's what I do now, right now. That's basically uh, between like making animations and CGI stuff. I just make educational videos. I spend a lot of time researching. <laughs> that's been my year. It's been it's been an insane insane roller coaster ride. And and I think a lot of people could um, you know relate to you, myself included. But do you feel like the pandemic? kind of gave is what gave you that itch back to want to act or was this kind of something that had been building and then you just needed that to kind of like propel it yeah i want to say that the, the the pandemic gave me an itch for acting um i've always loved to act so so that really that could i could say that but but really what the pandemic showed me and and kind of forced me to recognize was my love for animation my love for cartoon work my love for cgi I kind of just did it as a before for 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 the last couple of years I had only done it for like necessity. I was filming something and I needed the inside of a spaceship, but I didn't have the inside of a spaceship. So I figured out how to make the inside of a spaceship. Uh, and it was just it was just necessity. And then having to sort of force myself to make that my work for this last year, I found all of these these fun little nuances to animation. And uh, and it's that 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 is really what 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 the pandemic turned my eyes for, because I really believe that moving forward throughout my life, animation is probably going to be a huge part of it. Video games, especially because I have been working hard to finish a video game this last year. I've been putting that's like a, so much of my time this year has been put into this video game that I've been working on for a few years. But now I seem to have all the time in the world. <laughs> So, so since you're into the whole uh, CGI thing, if you're uh, watching a horror movie or something, and if you see like really bad CGI, are you the type of person that's just like, or like cringes? 
Yeah, like so much so. I was, uh, and it's funny that you mentioned this because I was like just sur- channel surfing the other day. I was bored, and I happened to stumble across Gods of Egypt, that movie, Gods of Egypt. It was a, it was huge. It's a big, big budget movie, and I'm sitting here and I'm watching it and I'm going, why is there green? Oh man. So anyway, it, it it's CGI. Uh, my my work in CGI has definitely made um, watching cartoons, animated cartoons, uh, iffy. It's it's made it hard for me because I see how they cheat. But Family Guy is still good, and so is uh, Rick and Morty. Those guys are great because that's two D animation. I don't <laughs> I don't play that game. <laughs> well, now let's kind of transition into uh, what I'm sure people are going to want to hear about watching this, which is obviously some Zoe 101 stuff. But I want to take it back a ways, which is obviously how it all came about for you. So I want to hear about your casting story. Oh, um, my casting story uh, was the longest casting experience I ever had. I went through seven callbacks. So you imagine that you go and you audition for a part and they see the audition. They go, you're great. You got the job. Well, uh, for th- for me, when I auditioned for Logan, I went, I auditioned the first time. They said, oh, that's great. And then about two weeks went by. They called my agent. They said, we really like him, but we want to see him again. Can we see him do him again? And they were like, okay. So I go back in and I had to repeat that process six more times. Had to go back and forth and back and forth and keep reading for the part. And one time... I read for Chase. There's there's like uh, there's laws. We're part of a union. Like teachers have a union and firefighters have a union. Actors are part of a union. And there are certain laws that you're only allowed to audition somebody like five or six times or something like that. So in order to get around that, they had me start auditioning for Chase just so they could bring me back in and read for the role without breaking those those union rules. Yeah. I, at the time, I was like, you want me to read for Chase? I can't read for Chase. I am not a Chase. But they, I found out later it was just kind of cheating. Oh, wow. So, so yeah. when did you uh, get into acting, though? Like, how early of an age would you say? Oh, wow. Um, I, I would have to say, see, it, it, it's a toss-up. My mom had me doing beauty pageants when I was six months old. All right? So she would literally put me in a sailor costume and carry me down the runway in these beauty pageants before I could walk. Uh, but when I started acting, I, I would say my first acting gig was a play 
uh, called The Wizard of Oz when I was five years old. Um, I was an evil flower. I know, Oscar-winning material there, but I was a kid, I was a five-year-old in the flower that danced in a circle, and that was my first acting gig, yeah. So I've been doing it 25 years. Wow. Yeah. And, and you mentioned about going through that whole process, and it's crazy because you're obviously playing this role, but I feel like your story arc and like how you played the role kind of like had a lasting impact with a lot of people because – and I'm not just going to say this because you're on the screen with me right now, but <laughs> out of all the characters, I'd say that, like, obviously the show, hence the name, Zoe 101, but I feel like Logan Reese, the character, like, always had, like, a side shenanigan going on on every episode that was, like, kind of, like, in a more or less in a way, one of the central points that people were following. And, like, now I want to ask you is, like, how how was it playing that role? Did Was, like, that character in particular kind of something that like maybe catered to your uh, acting strengths or uh i love playing the role of, of logan it was he's definitely my favorite role to play and the kind of douchebag stupid guy is easily my favorite role of any type of role to play so he really fit it perfectly um it was a lot of fun one of the things that i one of the the biggest benefits that i got from playing logan was how much i got to learn from him there were certain instances where Logan would act in a specific way. He would react to a certain situation in a, like, just, like, sexist, usually. And I got a chance to view that and say, no, I don't want to do that as, as, as me. Matthew Underwood doesn't want to act like that. So, you know how they can, how, how, how there's the, the, the cliche, learn from your mistakes, things like that? Well, Logan made a lot of mistakes. I got to learn from his mistakes just as much as I get to learn from my own mistakes. So, that is something that I really appreciate about playing a character like Logan. Right, and like the whole just story of Logan in general, I feel like from start to finish, kind of we saw like a kind of climax because here we see him kind of like playing like the um, cool guy, like I'm better than you type of role. And then to see it, how it ended, obviously, which was him and um, Quinn were a completely opposite character, kind of just like fall for each other, which I feel like, <laughs> The storytelling there, and I, I'm a t the type of person to where I'm, like, paying attention to detail, like, in, like, the story is just, like, very big for me. So that right there, like, I'm a big storyteller, so I, I, I like that, the way that played out. Yeah, you know, the the one thing, I always, I, I rag on Logan for being stupid, but I think that's just sort of like, um, I don't think he's dumb. I actually think Logan is secretly extremely smart, probably, because he tutored Zoe in chemistry. He was the smartest kid in the chemistry class. So there's that. But I, I think when I say he's stupid, I would I, I want to add that I, I, I say I think that he is like socially stupid. Like he he he, he isn't fully common sense there. But when it comes to other things, he's ex he's obviously a genius with chemistry, but he's got to hide it because he thinks it's going to make him not look so cool. I really like that about Logan. That was probably one of my favorite things about, about the character. <laughs> well, since you just mentioned about your favorite thing about the character, I want to ask you now, what, what was maybe your favorite like episode or moments? Oh, man. Um, my favorite episode. I... One of my favorite – I have a couple favorite episodes. One of my favorite episodes would have to be the the last episode of the first season called Little Beach Party where we get stuck on the beach by ourselves. 
It was so much fun to film that episode. We just went to the beach for like three days straight. Just all of us, they just turned the cameras on and said, here, go play in the water. Have fun. We're just going to film you. Here, just build sandcastles. We're just going to film you. No lines, no memorizing anything. Just go have fun. We're going to pay you to do that. It was just awesome. Uh, and then the spring breakup where we go to Logan's dad's house and uh, in the mansion and we have these like competitions against each other. They like pit the sexes against one another, guys versus girls. That was a load of fun to film that that episode. That was just awesome. Wow. Yeah. And I think that um, was it the, the first episode you mentioned was like the, it was the end of semester episode, right? When you yep. guys were. OK, so. I think that um, for any high school or college students that see that, I mean, they could kind of like uh, relate. Totally to relate. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which which kind of brings me to my next point because um, I'll ask you first, but I've got my own funny story to tell about it. I kind of want to ask you now about the um, PCA campus, which I feel is though like I want to ask obviously about you obviously being there, how it was, but I feel like a common misconception for most people when they see Zoe 101 is they think it's a college, but it's really a high school. Right. It was filmed at a, at a college though. So like the first two seasons we were at Pepperdine university. So it, we, you know, there was the real dorm rooms. They had a real lounge. The, we, we didn't film the cafeteria, but there was a really cool cafeteria with like restaurants inside. Um, so when we filmed at the, so that might be kind of like why, they it, it looked like a college um but I, I gotta say i've seen a couple boarding schools like high school and middle school boarding schools and they didn't look anything like that either so yeah i think a lot of kids grew up going i want to go to a boarding school now and they got they got a rude awakening when they first saw a boarding school for real <laughs> so what was that actual campus like was it beautiful Oh, my goodness. It was amazing. The first two seasons, I want to say, the campus was just in... It's literally right there on the beach. There's, like, you cross Pacific Coast Highway, and there's the ocean. It was just phenomenally gorgeous. Um, the, the the dorm rooms weren't that colorful. We painted the, the dorm rooms. Uh, they're all just, like, bland and white. But other than that, it's very, it's very pretty. Uh, the last two seasons, uh, we filmed at a biomedical facility, this humongous facility in the mountains of Valencia, California. And it's cool because the same, like, I think it was a soundstage, the same soundstage that we filmed in, they filmed X-Men in. And I can't remember which X-Men movie it was, but they filmed a whole bunch of scenes of this X-Men movie in the same soundstage that we were in. And it was just like, no way, we filmed in the same spot. It was really cool. <laughs> we were totally freaking out the whole time. Yeah, and I got a funny story since we're on the topic. Um, so I want to say this was probably about a year ago, right? So um, I'm currently in college now. So when I um, – it was like after like classes were finished, they had like some lecture um, like hall going on. Like it was optional to go to, but you get like credits or whatever. It was like some weird system. So I'm going there to um, get like credits obviously and um, – Basically, the whole premise of the lecture hall was kind of like college tips and like all that <laughs> kind of fun stuff. So then I was going there and then um, I'm sitting there. And then the first thing that the lady asks was, when you think of college, what do you think of? So then I look around. Nobody's <laughs> anything. I raise my hand and I go, I honestly think of Zoe 101. 
And I'm waiting for everybody to kind of laugh. Nobody laughs. And then the professor or whoever was teaching it goes, well, you know, Zoe 101 was actually a high school, like with a straight face. And I just like <laughs> fell back into my chair. The fact that they know, though, is just perfect. <laughs> the fact that they know it's high school <laughs> means they watched it, too. That's great. It went from probably, like, the most, like, this is going to be great moment to, like, the most demoralizing. And just like that. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and it really, in my eyes, I, don't even, I didn't even view it as, like, such a bad, like, thing. I thought it was pretty, you know. Obvious. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but now I want to ask you, because obviously for me to say that, it has to have somewhat of a lasting impact, right? I want to hear your take on why you feel like it has a lasting impact and a resonation with so many people. Well, uh, I, I would, I, I would say a few things that that has that that really makes Zoe 101 different from a lot of other shows and what and what's made it special to like the generation that grew up with it was two things. One, we're really friends. The cast is actually close. Like we care about each other when we're when we're messing with each other as characters. We actually are close. We don't have to fake any of that. And and so it, it feels good when you watch something like that, when you can tell that the two people on camera are they really like each other. So you get I think the audience has more fun and it's easier for the audience to connect with the characters because of that. But then the other thing is, is that it was relatable. The guy, the man who created Zoe 101, who he's the same guy who created Jake and Josh. He's the same guy who created iCarly. All that. I mean, the best shows that you can remember growing up with, Dan Schneider made these shows. And he's a genius. He knew how to capture real the essence of real issues that people went through and just and figure out how to get these characters on the show to play those problems out and show how these characters were able to get through the situation and stay friends afterwards. So, you know, there'd be there, there's the show is a happy show. I want to say that it's it's a great show. It's super fun. It's all about laughs. But there were instances where Dan took took the dive. You know, he said this is a serious situation, and you know, like death of a family member when Chase's grandmother passed away, and and we're gonna take it seriously, and we're gonna we're not just gonna make the show end on a on a laugh, which is something that he had to fight for to get that episode to be able to end with making the audience feel like they want to cry. Nickelodeon was like, I'm not going to do that because this is, that's not us. And he said, Dan said, no, this is, that's real life. And if you want to actually help kids uh, grow in a, in a positive way, then they, they can't just believe that it's all mushrooms and rainbow farts. You know, it has to, we have to be real sometimes. So I think that's, to me, that's the number one thing that, that made it resonate with kids and still does. The fact that, you, I mean, I can watch it today. And go, wow, I like I can relate to this. I mean, like the quarantine episode uh, of Zoe 101, where we're all stuck in the room together and we're driving each other nuts. I now know what that feels like in real life. You know what I mean? Like, right. so it's it, I, I think I Dan Schneider gets all the props. I mean, yeah, we us actors, we are we can say we're good actors, but really that guy gave us situations to portray. And without him doing that, it would have been nothing. He's a genius. Yeah, there, there, there's no one else like him. Like, seriously, I can't really, 
Like, if I list off, like, the body of work of just shows, like, being directed, like, uh, it's astonishing. Like, I'm, I, I, <laughs> yeah, and, like, what you were just saying to kind of, like, um, echo it was we kind of saw, like, real-life situations and, like, real problems being faced by kids that were basically the same age as kids in real life. So right. we're, we're watching kids who are currently going to high school or maybe college school in general, and they're watching you guys on TV, and they're like, well, this just happened to me, and this is how they, they handled it. So, right. Yeah. And the fact that we didn't have parents all around. So a lot of the times in shows, you know, the, the some kids will have a problem, they'll go to their parents, and the parents will help solve it. And in our show, no. If there was an issue, the kids had to figure out how to resolve it between themselves. It wasn't just like, you know, go tell the teacher. You rarely ever saw a teacher in Toy 101. That was one of the running gags that we always had. Like, how many episodes has it been since we've seen an adult? Like, how does this happen? <laughs> And you talked about the other shows, too. I want to ask, since um, obviously you were a part of a big show, what what is maybe your take on, like, Drake and Josh, iCarly? Like... Oh, my gosh. I mean, Drake and Josh, iCarly, The Amanda Show, these these are what I grew up on. I'm a huge fan of Drake and Josh. I mean, it, Drake was somewhat of an idol to me growing up. I mean, he's just, like, so unbelievably cool. Uh, and I got a chance to, like, when, when we started filming Zoe 101 – the same wardrobe, um, the wardrobe designer was from Drake and Josh, was the wardrobe designer for us. And she started to just retire clothes from Drake and Josh to us, and I was getting all of Drake's clothes. And I was like, that's so cool! So, I mean, they were, I was, I was a huge fan of theirs. All that is probably what made me fall in love with acting in general. I was a mosquito in here. Um, yeah, uh, all that is what made me fall in love with, like, truly, truly fall in love with acting. I had been doing it when I was a kid because my mom just kind of got me started. But watching all that sketch comedy and, and, and playing out these scenes with my brothers, like, I, that's where I fell in love with doing it in the living room, you know, in the car, just on the way to soccer practice. I would just be acting all the time. And that'd be Dan Schneider. I owe it to him, you know? <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> And I think it's an interesting point that I didn't really think about until you brought up was kind of Drake. And I feel like now looking back on it, like in some aspects, Logan Reese and, uh, well, Drake Parker on the show were kind of uh, similar characters. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we definitely modeled a lot of uh, any time that I tried to be cool and not a just a prick. Anytime I was trying to be cool, I was trying to be like Drake Bell. That's for sure. 100%. <laughs> So now I want to get into um, a topic which was obviously I saw in like an article which was about not related to shows obviously um, was you actually saved a um, infant that was in a moving vehicle? Yes, um, I mean the story is it, it's it's not it's, it's not that crazy, uh, but it was it was pretty interesting. I mean we were we were driving down the road, my brother and I. My brother was in the passenger seat, and we're going to the movies. And all of a sudden, I see this car coming into this into an eight-lane highway. There's four lanes going this way, four lanes going that way, and this car is just creeping into this eight-lane highway. And I don't see anybody in the driver's seat. I don't see anybody in the passenger seat. I don't see anybody in the car, and I'm I'm like I'm freaking out. And I so I go to start turning into the lane next to me so that I can get the car next to me to stop and have them hit me instead of whoever's driving that vehicle. 
And so they stop. We all come to a stop, and this car just drives right through the, the street and smashes into a tree on the other side of the road. And this tree was about two or three feet from a gas line that was on the side of the road for the mate, for the, the restaurant and everything that was right there. So if they had hit the gas line, it would have been all over. But thank goodness they didn't. So I, I pulled off the, off the road onto the sidewalk and ran over to the car to try to find this ghost driver. Uh, and I looked in the, the driver's side, and I could see the, the person who was dri- who was supposed to be driving was slouched over in their seat, just totally unconscious, leaning on the passenger side. And the per- person who was in the passenger seat was unconscious, leaning like they're, they had sort of slumped their way into the footwell of the vehicle. Um, and and I, then I hear a baby crying, and I'm like, there's a baby in here! And my brother had gotten out of the car with me, and he walked up to the vehicle by then. And I'm like, dude, there's a baby in the car. And I'm looking everywhere for the baby, and I can't – I don't see it because the baby wasn't strapped in in the car seat. And the car seat had found its way sort of tucked in between the back seat and the front seat. And so I ran around to the other side of the car, and I pulled the baby in the car seat out, and we br- brought that into the parking lot. And another lady had had showed up to the accident. And this, I asked the other lady, I said, lady, like, just stand right here with this baby and don't move. Don't go anywhere. Just watch that baby. And we got 911 on the phone and then the police got there. And I want to say I give 100% of the credit of saving anybody's life to this police officer. There was one police officer that showed up immediately while we were waiting for the ambulance to get there. And we, me and the officer pulled the two people out of the vehicle who were both unconscious. And he kind of figured out, we all kind of figured out. They were on drugs. Um, they had like the lady had a needle sticking out of her arm still, which was like unbelievably gross. Um, and so we pulled the people out of the car, and he's like, "I need you to give this this guy CPR." And I'm like, "I don't know how to give CPR." And he's just like, "Just just go like this on the guy's chest." And I'm like, "I'll try, okay." <laughs> like I'm trying to give him CPR, and he's just and the cop was like, "Don't even worry about it. I got it." And so. He we kind of drags the body closer to him, and he starts giving both the man and the woman CPR at the same time. I'm like, dude, you are like a superhero. He was just like, mm. and I, I mean, literally, he he saved their lives single-handedly at the same time. I love. I have so much support for the law enforcement of my community. It is like. I am protected by a bunch of Iron Mans. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Imagine just driving down the road and then having that whole thing play out. Uh, I mean, I've actually stopped and pulled a couple people out of accidents. It happens, accidents happen all the time. And I'm the type of person that if I see anything, anything out of the ordinary, I'm going to stop. I'm going to, I'm like, if I see somebody who look, okay, like, for example, I was just heading to my friend's house the other day. And these kids were walking down the street, and they were being idiots. They were not getting out of the way. And they were literally like, I don't know, seven and nine years old, the little boy and the little girl. And the little girl's yelling, little boy, get out of the road, get out of the road. And he's not. And so I stop and very slowly go around them. And then this other car's flying up the road and almost hits them. And the little girl's yelling at the little boy. And then the car stops, like, right past the kids. Like, they're mad at these kids. And they're going to do something about it. And I'm about half a block up the road, so I mean, I guess I wouldn't. Any normal person might have just driven away, but I'm like, no, 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 no. 
I don't see adults with these kids. I just slammed my car into park, got out of my car, and stood on the back where my trunk is and just looked at these people. They get out of their car to walk up to these kids to, like, basically yell at them, and they see me standing there looking at them, just watching them. And they, they, I, I couldn't hear them. They yelled something at the kids, and then they got back in their car and they drove away. So any time that you see something that is not that is weird, any that you could just stop and watch. I mean, I didn't do anything. I just watched, just making sure nothing happened. You know, you just always try to be there for people. Well, I, I admire that mentality that you have, and for you to do something like that, because I feel like a, a lot of times in today, like there'd be situations like that where people just like let it happen. Yeah, they say I got I, I got something to do. I'm gonna be late for work, or I, you know, I, I, it's not my problem. All of these excuses that we can use on ourselves, we're just lying to ourselves when we do these things. So, I mean, for me, it's I, I, I my defining rule in life is to treat others how I want to be treated. There's no there is no instance in my life that I can't answer with that phrase. That's it. So. I mean, to just make that a part of your life, and you know, it's everything else seems pretty easy. <laughs> but now, since uh, we're on the topic of stories, and I think that after all these years, this is kind of something that people need to know and hear, or want to know and hear rather. We need to get to the bottom of this. So, High School Musical. It's been said, urban legend, that you were offered to play Troy Bolton originally as opposed to Zac Efron. Are these rumors true, and is there more to this story? Well, my friend, uh, I, I, wanted, I wish I could say the rumors were true, and I could have been the Troy Bolton, but no. The, the rumors are not true. Zac Efron is the only Troy Bolton that could ever exist. Nobody could play that character like Zac. I mean, Zac is such a hunk. I mean, come on. I have, I have, I have nothing on Zac. I did, I did audition once. I auditioned once. But then I'm sure they saw Zac Efron do it, and they were like, yeah, 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 this is the guy we need. <laughs> so you don't think he would have been a good fit for that role? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't say that I couldn't have played the role because I could have played it. But there are certain, certain roles that I think just scream a certain actor. And... Um, and Zach just fit that part. I mean, I, I just, it, it was almost like, okay, when you, when, when they make films, they storyboard these films ahead of time before they hire actors or anything like that, just so they know how it's going to look. And I bet the characters they drew look just like Zach Efron. I bet you they look just like <laughs> Zach. I just, he just seems perfect for it. Right. It was, and it, I, they were great movies. He did such a good job. And I feel like the uh, character archetype, like, I feel like um, Zach's kind of like a cool guy, but he's like a nice guy. And exactly. I feel like what, what we were accustomed to, it's like Zach's kind of like the Superman type character. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. the guy that's like, you know, walking mighty tall and then like helps like an old lady like, like out of her car, that type of character. Whereas like the Logan Reese that we're accustomed to seeing is like, the complete opposite you know what I'm right saying? she's like oh look at this old lady i'm not gonna scuff my shoes trying to help her yeah right that's logan so i mean you really nail it on the head there zach is more of the superman nice gentle cool he's the confident cool and logan the characters i like to play are more the uh the slick sly you know he's cool 
but he's too cool. You know what I mean? He's too cool. <laughs> but now I want to ask you, though, um, since you mentioned earlier about social media now kind of playing like a big part of what you do, I want to ask you now, do you feel like social media is a good thing or a bad thing? You know, I, I, I want to say I, I, I like to – I'm an optimist. So I like to say social media is a good thing. It's just new. And yes, it might have been around for 20 years or more. That's still new. Um, so we're, we're, we're still getting the kinks out. And, and I think that, yes, there is ugliness to social media. There is divisiveness in social media. But the ability for people to connect in a way that is absolutely impossible without social media it outweighs those negatives tenfold to me because there are communities that could uh, that could not otherwise co communicate with each other and i think we're just getting our toes wet when it comes to what social media can do for us right now all we do is we share photographs and videos and we share text we type we comment things like that but I have something that has been a passion of mine is uh, and something that's not really possible yet, but it's something I've been working on for a long time. It's creating a, so a social network that brings creators together to create inside the network. So you've got, uh, let's say, like Adobe, right? You've got Adobe Photoshop and uh, After Effects and Premiere and all this uh, in, in Audition, all of these programs to edit film if if there was if that if that editing software was inside of a social network on the internet it was part of the website and then you've got you could have a sec a separate section just for animators just for people who do cgi work and then you have a separate section just for people who do audio music right people who sing people who do instruments all of this editing software in one place where you and i as we're on skype right now doing this we could be making a film together. I could be filming here with some actors and I could upload my film onto this network and then somebody else on that network could edit it together because maybe I'm not an editor, but maybe you're an editor. So we can work on that together and we don't have to have all of this extra software outside of the platform that costs hundreds of dollars a month. It's all right there. Once we have something like that, I think the... the social media is going to blossom. It's going to be more than just than just typing out tweets. It's going to be really collaborating with each other, like in real time collaborating with one another. Um, right now, it's just sharing what we've done ourselves. I made this myself. Let me share it on my Instagram. I want an Instagram where we're going to make something together in real time. Um, and I think we're, we're getting there. And we're going to have to wade through this nonsense that we're in right now, um, you know, with the the hate speech and the uh, the divisiveness. We're, we have to figure we got to walk through the crap to get to the glory land, you know. Right. And there is a lot of um, positive that comes with social media that we might have not had like so many years ago. But obviously there can be some negative that come with it. Have you uh, dealt with any maybe anxiety from uh, social media 
from potentially maybe what fans have to say or anything like that? Well, I mean, I guess I I, I, I can say I've been lucky, um, sp- especially because of the character that I played. The character that I played was such an idiot. Like, I, I say the word idiot, like stupid, but it was such like a tool, I guess I should say. That he he was already getting flack, right? He people were already dissing Logan, so I was already used to that, right? Um, and I was able to include that into me in this acceptance of criticism to me personally. And I I have a group of super fans online um i i call them super fans in a, in a very positive way they're they're really sweet girls i actually love talking to them all the time one of my favorite things to do with them is for them to talk trash to me for them to totally roast me it is so much fun so i've I, personally i've never gotten a like extreme anxiety from people like trying to roast me online because 99 percent of the time when somebody tries to roast me in a comment I just jump down their rabbit hole. I just like, okay, you want to let's play that game. If they they want to say that, um, I don't know, if my my hair makes me look like I shoved a fork in a light socket, and I'll, I'll make the joke. Well, I was trying to find my salad and I missed, you know. Or you should on my good days. It's ten times worse, you know. So it's like I I like to play right into the game. There's no I I see no harm in it. I think that's something that personally I, that's a tip. That I want to try to, that I would like to express to people. T- just, just like take it with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? If somebody makes fun of you, try to just play the game with them. It's not. It it it, it hurts more to take it personally than it does to just play the game. Right, and I think a lot of people that maybe um, do take it seriously maybe take themselves too seriously and that's what plays a part in it you know yes yes that's also true it's it's all a psychological thing yes i try not to i yeah you 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 that's probably the most accurate statement there uh that the because i i i can't take myself seriously and and i do see it that's that my number one place that i see people getting super offended are those that take themselves too seriously. The ones that are like, no, I'm right. And if you critique me, you're calling me wrong personally. And that's unacceptable. And it's just like, don't take yourself too seriously, guys. I mean, come on. You nailed it right on the head. Thank you. (laughs) Now, what about uh, upcoming projects, though? We uh, obviously just kind of talked about how this year's been. We talked about some Zoe 101 stuff, but now I want to hear about maybe, because um, I know you do gaming as well, you, you mentioned, what are some upcoming projects for the rest of the year maybe? Is gaming tie into that? Well, yeah, I mean, gaming gaming ties into it in a way, video games. Um, my Okay, the number one focus that I have as far as what people are going to be able to see is going to be my educational stuff. I, I have been going headfirst in educational stuff, um, I'm, I'm making a video. I'm releasing a video once a week. I want to get it down to two a week. Uh, and I'm, so that's going to be my thing. I, I want to try to explain different topics when it comes to history or biology or sociology, like the study of people and groups, um, uh, different tech updates, you know, like the new stuff in tech. I want to explain different topics that people question and also random things. Like, um, one of the questions I, I constantly ask myself is what, well, I mean, <laughs> I constantly ask myself, but I catch myself asking things like, 
why does the road start out black and then turn gray, right? And there are so many different different reasons why that might happen. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a video about that. I mean, that just sounds really stupid, but uh, it's gonna be random things like that. That that's why I've been I'm going to be spending a lot of my time doing. Um, eventually, from that, I'll probably create an educational series. I'm gonna move it over to YouTube a little bit. Um, but as far as on the back end, things that people that you that your audience and my audience won't get to see at least not until the end of the year, into next year, is a video game I'm working with my friend. Um, a video, um, and that's a that's a big passion project. Next generation of consoles and the next generation of PCs have ten times better graphics, and all you had to do is pump up the resolution. So getting it there is it's difficult. It's long story, but that's <laughs> that's what that's what I'm working on. Can be complicated sometimes. So, would you consider yourself kind of like a jack of all trades then, or like, do you kind of like try to stay like occupied or busy by like doing so many varieties of stuff? I would say in the entertainment industry, I would be, I would consider myself a jack of all trades, mainly because I've, I've had to force myself to be a jack of all trades. I'm an independent filmmaker. I have been for almost ten years now. So that means I'm pr I'm producing my own stuff, directing my own stuff, acting in my own stuff, writing my own stuff, editing my own stuff. So it's like if I can if I can find an editor that the budget can afford, great. I don't have to do it that time. So somebody else gets to. But if the budget can't afford an editor, I've got to figure out how to do it. So I learned how to edit. I learned how to do lighting. I learned how to do sound. I learned how to run just about any camera and work any camera equipment. Um, I, I've just I had to teach myself everything so that i could manage a set missing any key person if i'm missing this guy it's it's okay we'll figure it out the show will go on i'll do it um I, that that's that i would say yeah i'm in the entertainment industry i'm a jack of all trades but as far as like outside of the industry absolutely not i mean i can't even change my own oil i mean i'm lucky if i can change my tire but <laughs> i can fix a steady cam rig uh, but i can't I can't change the tire. <laughs> but but what about like um do you do you maybe watch sports outside of like you know during your free time because I noticed like I think on one of your uh, posts like when um you were with like the whole Zoe crew you guys were watching the NBA finals. Oh yeah, I mean I'm a huge Lakers fan. Basketball. That's why I was gonna say yeah yes basketball I'll watch. I'm a big basketball fan. Um I I. I I'm a big LeBron James fan. I followed him from Cleveland to Miami to to the Lakers. Now, I was working in Cleveland, filming in Cleveland. I used to fly out there like every weekend to film while he was on the Cavaliers, and then he left. And I lived in Miami when, when he moved from Cleveland to Miami, so I wasn't really pissed. But I was still working with the Clevelanders who felt betrayed. And they were like, oh, my goodness, they were so mad. Um, and then he came back, uh, but I was I, I was I wasn't going to Ohio anymore when he went back. I was happy about that. Um, and then he went to 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 L.A., which I was also happy about because I'm L.A. is really where the heart's at for me. Um, I'm a, so yeah, I do watch basketball, um, football. I football is the sport that if I were to play a sport, that would be the sport that I would play. Um, but it, I, I haven't had a chance to watch it this year. I mean, it's just sports in general have been such a toss up for me this year. Really? This year has been crazy. Well, well, I think, uh, that's where you and I both relate is I'm actually also a Lakers fan, but, um, 
our stories kind of don't really uh, <laughs> coincide because actually the whole premise of how I, you know, became a Lakers fan was actually because I think it was like the NBA finals 10 years ago when they, 10, I want to say it's 10. I think it's 10. Yeah, it was 10 when they played the Celtics um, when they obviously won was because I remember was walking into a restaurant and then seeing it like game seven was on the TV and that was a first ever game I witnessed and then right there just in my mind stuck like I didn't even really have the ability to become like a bandwagoner but I've always <laughs> stuck with them so like through the rough patches obviously when um, Kobe retired when they obviously weren't doing too hot and then LeBron comes there and obviously this year with everything that went on it was kind of hard to um, root against them you know like, I um, mean, he's good. He's a really good player. It's hard to root against him just because, like, that's one thing I had I had against some people was, like, you just don't like him because you don't like him? I mean, come on. He's a good player. You got to respect that. <laughs> true, true. It is true. But um, now I think uh, I got to ask now because this question's probably on the minds of a lot of people. So I think it's been apparent on social media they've seen you kind of um with your whole cast again just like hanging out people want to know is there anything that you potentially know about if there's going to be a reboot or is this just wishful thinking Ah, oh, well i i knew you had to ask me that question Ugh, everybody does um i can't you i can't spill any beans i can't give you any official news but what I can say, uh, that Jamie Lynn, she keeps us updated about once a week in our group chat. We're all part of a group chat and sending memes to each other most of the time. Um, but, you know, about once a week we get an update about how it's moving, deals that are being made, what considerations are being made for which characters. Um, I wish I could – there's, like, so many funny things that I would love to share, but I just can't. Uh, and you just – you know, you'll have to stick around. You'll, you'll, you guys will not be disappointed. I think I'm allowed to say that, at least. I think I'm allowed to say that. As a wise man once said, there's a chance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but now, kind of the last thing that I want to uh, touch upon here is I'm going to ask you to maybe give some advice or if you have any advice for maybe young actors or just young people in general with ambitions trying to get their foot in the door. Ah, well, I would say the... My biggest piece of advice would be plays. Yeah, my biggest advice for young actors that want to be that whether you want to be in TV shows, or movies, whether you want to be in theater or not, get in plays in your school, in your local community theater, no matter where it is. And I'm not saying like dedicate all of your time in life to plays. But you need to do theater because once you actually get to a major city and whether it be Houston or Los Angeles or New York or Boston, you know, Atlanta, L.A., they all have an entertainment industry. So you can get two auditions from there and there's a lot of auditions online. But to book roles, you've got to have theater on your resume when a director or a producer decides if you're going to be right for a part, if you've never done a movie before. How are they going to know? They need to see your resume. And if you've never done a movie or TV show, if, but if you've done a play, they know one very important thing. When you're on stage, it's live. You don't get the chance to say cut. You don't get take two. You don't get take three. You get take one. That's it. 
And in a movie and TV show, yeah, you can do take two, but they don't want to do a take two. They only want to do one take. They want to get it done as quickly as possible. So if you have plays on your resume, even if you've never done a movie before, that director knows they can take you seriously because you've probably screwed up on stage. Everybody does. And you had to figure out how to keep going. And that is vital. That is like there's nothing that you can you can't buy that sort of talent being able to just keep going. If you screw up, there's nothing that you can. That's the most valuable. And I think that's the important message here is to just keep pushing forward. Just keep going. Yeah. I mean, and that's for anybody, even if you're not just trying to be an actor, say you're trying to be a mechanic musician. If you want to be a podcaster, you know, I mean, no matter what you're trying to do, just do it. Be like Nike and literally just do it. You'll get better with time. It you'll you, you might not start out being the best in the world, but the more you do it, the better you're going to get, the larger your following is going to become. It, it's that simple. You know, and it's 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 funny too. Um it's actually this is a side point. I made I made a few uh, short films with Sean Flynn who played Chase. And when we were start we were about to put together a production company to start making larger films. Uh, with just the two of us because we were working with partners and Sean Flynn's dad is a producer and executive producer and you know he does a lot of work in the entertainment industry he's done a lot very good um, and we 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 thought the best person to ask to get some firsthand knowledge of how to get started with our production company would be his dad let's call him up we got on a on a, on a voice call together and he says we we kind of give him the idea about what we're going to do, and he says, "There's only one bit of if not one tip I have for you, one thing I have to tell you, just do it, just get it done. You want to make movies? Just make movies. There's no there's no secret. Just turn the camera on and go film. And when you do that, more projects will just land on your desk. New films will land on your desk. But you, that's not going to happen until you're already filming something." Just start, turn the camera on, start filming. So that's what I did. <laughs> and I think there, there's the message is that there's always a start. And it's up to you to basically start it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You're the only one that can turn the key and start the engine. That's it. I mean, you can tell people how great your idea is 10 times a day. But until you turn the key and you start, your, you start the engine, it's not going forward. <laughs> that's a good analogy to put it. But, um, yeah, I think we could uh, close on that note. And um, I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me today. And I had a ton of fun chatting with you. And this was a blast. I'm hoping that you had fun as well. And I look forward to uh, putting it out there where it's up. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I definitely I, I want to say the next time somebody asks you what you think college is like, definitely say Zoe 101 again. Because because I think that is the, really the best answer. <laughs> I wish well, I was in that room. <laughs> right i felt like i was <laughs> i was the one that everybody was looking at and i feel like there had to have been one person in there that wanted to laugh they I'll got always... it they did they they totally got it they just didn't want to they didn't they didn't want to, they they didn't want to, want to be that one yeah they yes. didn't want to be the one yes right <laughs> <laughs> but uh thank you again and um i hope that you're taking care and staying well you too stay safe safe